This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Hello, Rabotai, and we are entering a new Sefer. We're almost 90 days into this uh, horrible war that brought us into a new level of Galut. And with it, we are starting Sefer Shemot, the book of Shemot, the books of exile. And I thought to myself, what is the lesson that we could learn from these parashiyot? What our job is supposed to be, what we're supposed to work on while we see the whole world rising against us, people who we thought our friends were always our enemies, schools that we thought that we could trust our children with is all one big lie. These are the names of Bnei Israel. The Midrash writes, Israel weighs as much as the, the army of the, of, the, of the celestial skies. And as it's written, Shemot, and it's also written that the, that the stars have their eyes, also when HaKadosh Baruch Hu saw that when Bnei Israel went to Egypt, he counted them because they are like stars. And the mashal is, says Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky in Emet Le'akov, that as long as Yaakov Avinu was, was around, he was the son. And when you have son, you don't see the children, you don't see the stars because the sun blinds the, the, the stars. But when the, when the sun goes out, then you start seeing the stars. Because when you don't have any more the father, so the children realize they're in darkness and they emerge. And so too, as long as we feel that we are connected to Hashem, we're not really in the ultimate galut. It's that when we start separating ourselves and being our own entity and our own person, that's when we have, that, that's when we have danger. And the lesson that we have to learn is that you're right, we're in America. You're right, we have to be in America. But are we American Jews? Or are we Jews that live in America? I'm not saying everybody has to necessarily run away from America. But when you feel so comfortable that you just say, hey, there's a war going on out there, but there's no connection to me. When, when, when I'm just, you know, I'm worrying about how the Lakers are going to be doing, but I'm not worrying about what's going on there in Israel. That's when I have to start questioning myself. Am I really here or am I really there? I want to tell you something that Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky said in last week's parasha, and then I want to tell you a story of Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky. So this is a shiur on Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky. He says the following. When Yaakov Avinu came to bless Ephraim and Menashe, he put Ephraim before Menashe. Two major mistakes. Number one, didn't Yaakov see what happened when he favored Yosef at Sadiq? Making the same mistake? And if he's favoring grandchildren of Yosef over the other grandchildren? And if that's not enough, he's favoring Ephraim over Menashe. 
What's going on over here? Didn't Yaakov Avinu learn his lesson? What happens when you start favoring children? We're talking about Yaakov Avinu, a tzaddik. Obviously he knew what was going on. Says Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky, let me tell you what was going on over here. Yaakov Avinu saw that Ephraim needed the bracha more than Menashe did. Just like, Yaakov, just like Yitzchak knew that Esav needed the bracha more than Yaakov, Yaakov saw that Ephraim needed it more than Menashe. Why? Menashe had a connection to the old country, we'll call it. He was the actual translator of Yosef and the brothers because he spoke Lashon HaKodesh. And his name is Kinashani Elohim Hashem. Hashem, you know, Yaakov Avinu said, through the name of Menashe, I'm going to be reminded from where I come from. Hashem took me out of my father's home. Whereas Ephraim, if you think about it, says Rav Yaakov, it could very well be that it was, a, it, was a, it was an Egyptian name. It doesn't have a complete proof to it, but he says if you take a look at all the Egyptian names, Paro, Shifra, Pua, Potiphar, it's all Pez and Resh, Ayin. So Ephraim also is very possible. It was a heavily influenced Egyptian name. And Ephraim didn't grow up the same way that Menashe did. He grew up more integrated. And Ephraim, since he was in a later, he was, he was already more, more ingrained in the Egyptian culture, Yaakov Avinu said he needs the bracha more than Menashe does. And therefore he put Ephraim before Menashe. When you, th- when you start getting ingrained in this present society that you're in and you forget from where you come from, you need an extra boost. And over here, Bnei Israel really started feeling the bitterness of their galut because Yaakov Avinu wasn't there, wasn't around anymore. And Yosef Atzadik was, was, was gone also. And when that happens, Yosef means that the, 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 the uh, influence, the aura, the presence of Yosef was gone. So Bnei Israel started to feel koshi ashibud. They started to feel that they're really alone. And that's when the kochavim started shining more. And that's why he counted them. He counted the sons because they were more noticeable. I'm telling myself, how do, you re- how do you recognize that you are not in galut and that Hashem is always holding your hand? You have to look at your life and you have to look at the actions that happen in your life and try to connect the dots to see how Hashem is holding your hand. And Rabbi Weinstock said a story last week, an unbelievable story that I want to say over. Rabbi Pesach Kron says a story uh, of Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky himself, how he got to America. He was one of the great Torah leaders of America. And his children, the great Rosh Hashiva, Rabbi Shmuel Kamenetsky, may he live a long life in the Rosh Hashiva Philadelphia, is one of the... Uh, is one of the preeminent Torah leaders in North America. And Reb Shmuel's grandchildren are, are heavily involved in Chinuch in America. I'm sorry, Reb, Reb, I'm sorry, Reb Yaakov's grandchildren are involved in Chinuch in America. The Kamenetsky family left a, a very strong impression on Torah Jewry. But not many people know that we were this close to losing them. Reb Yaakov was a, was a Rav in a small town in Lithuania, and he wasn't making ends meet. So he looked for a position that would pay him more money. And he indeed found a big city that had 8,000 Jews in it, which is pretty large. And this city uh, interviewed Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky to be the Rav, called a Prabhat. 
And Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky was there, and he uh, made a good impression on them. He, illustrious, genius, great orator. Uh, he, Talmud Chacham, that knew everything. And they, they, they wanted to hire him. They said, we're going to send you our, your, your letter, your Ksav Rabbanus, it's called. We're going to send you your document that you're going to be accepted as the Rav of our city. They were happy. They were able to cover their loans. So Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky goes home. And with his wife and uh, his wife reads in the newspaper a few months later that this community actually hired another Rav they were devastated nobody told them nobody warned them and here they are they lost the position the opportunity to cover their debts and to, and to, and to have a, a stable financial future Rabbi Yaakov said it's Minas Don't worry about it. I'm in the Kov Nikolol right now. Anyways, one of our obligations of the Avrechem Nikol is to go out and raise money. So I'm going to uh, take a pilot trip. I'm going to go to America and I'm going to, and I'm going to North America. I'm going to raise money. Once he came to North America, he said, you know what? I see that Hitler is really serious about what he's saying. He had that vision. He, he understood that Hitler was serious and he understood that that European Jewry is in danger. So he told his wife, why don't we take a position over here in North America? And he applied for a, um, for a position in the city of Toronto. So I actually know the city of Toronto and I know the synagogue he was referring to. It's in the neighborhood where I used to live. And as a matter of fact, I used to live in Palm Drive in Toronto. There's no palm trees there. <laughs> but that's where I used to live. And on that same block where, is where Yaakov Kamenetsky used to live. I know the house. One of my friends used to live in that house. And Rabbi Yaakov was, uh, was, was in Toronto and he tried out for the position of the shul and most of the shul wanted to hire him. But there was a small contingency of Hasidish event, you know, Hamish background um, members and they felt Rabbi Yaakov is from Lithuania, they're more Hasidish, they didn't know it was going to work. So they said, you know what, we had, there's a great Hasidish Rebbe that's passing by the town, we're going to ask him. Indeed, they asked him. And Chassidah Sherebbe thought about it and he said, hey, Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky, he applied to be the Rav in this city and this city accepted him as their Rav. Just something else happened that they hired someone else. But if he's good for them, he's good for you guys as well. And they hired him and Rav Yaakov moved to Toronto and his family was saved from the Holocaust. So Rav Yaakov reflects back and he says, think about it. Why did I have to go through this ordeal of trying out in the city, them accepting me, them accepting me, and then hiring someone else? Obviously, it was part of the master plan. Hashem had his ways of putting the puzzle together, and it's because they accepted me that this Hasidic Sharav said, oh, they accepted him in that town, so he's good enough for you over here. And my family was saved. And I started my life over here. And he had tremendous influence on America. You just have to notice the game that's going on in this world. And Hashem is moving the pieces. And when you don't get, it, when you don't get that job that you wanted, when your child didn't get to that school that you thought he should go to, don't worry about it. Just like Rabbi Heller is teaching you, is teaching you, put your bitachon in Hashem. And Hashem knows What's the best master plan for you? And that's the lesson that I could say of us being in Galut. Despite the fact that we're in this bitter, bitter, bitter Galut, this darkness, we have to see that Hashem is still holding our hands. How many stories 
came out on October 7th, how despite the tremendous, tremendous horror that we saw, there was, there was snippets here and there that is a wink of an eye that Hashem is saying, I'm still with you. I know what's going on. I know it's difficult. But you should know I'm here. That's the lesson of the Galut. And that's the lesson that we should take by starting this new, these new parashiot of in Sefer Shemot of the Galut Chazak You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.